What's up everybody, this is Jared Dewitt Henson and you're watching Studio22Live.tv. You are tuned in to Studio22Live.tv, podcast episode number 21. Studio22Live. Welcome to Studio22Live.tv podcast, where we discuss valuable topics, interview amazing people, sharing their stories and valuable lessons learned to educate, empower, and impact lives across the world. Welcome back to Studio22Live.tv podcast. I'm your host, Fred Fitzgerald. Thank you guys for just tuning back in. I have an incredible guest for you today. We're talking careers, and we're going to be talking about the top 10 things you do not do in a job interview. Top 10 things you do not do in a job interview. And I have entrepreneur, CEO, and author, Ms. Deidre Avant, on the Steel22Live.tv podcast today. And I'm telling you, she owns her own company. She hires people. She also fires people, but she hires people, and she places them in jobs and that is a very, very powerful position to be in, and I've just had the pleasure to be able to chat with her recently, and I said, yo, I've got to get you on the show, because a lot of times we go get jobs, and we really don't know what to do. I know my first job was at McDonald's on 4th Street. Not on 4th Street, I'm sorry. It was at McDonald's on Route 9, okay? All right, so, and uh, uh, nobody told me how to go do a job interview. They might teach it in some classes, but it's not a main thing, but it's amazing that the Things that we really need to know, like credit and finances and job interviews and all that kind of stuff, they really don't focus on. We focus on Macbeth and we focus on geometry and we focus on certain, you know, different things. And I'm like, what does this have to do with my life? I need to know how to, yes, make money, but I know how to be able to sell myself in order to be able to have somebody to hire me. I need to make myself hireable. So... Those kind of things we don't learn until we do it. And I know when I walked in, I was just like, hey, um, I want a job. He says, why? I said, because I need to make money. I mean, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the posture and cover letters and resumes. I just walked in there. So a lot of people are like that, especially today. And things have changed because, see, when I was younger, we used to walk up to the job, fill out the application right there on the spot. And if you could, if you had a friend in there that could get you the job that, or, or at least get you a connection with the manager and put a good word in for you, you may have gotten a job because it's not what you know, it's what, it's who you know. So uh, that's what I did. And so but a lot of kids right now, they they don't have the patience to even fill out application after application online. And that's what we had to do. And, you know, in order, if you want to work, you got to do what you have to do and you have to get in there and you have to sell yourself. But a lot of us don't know exactly how to do that. So whether it's young people who are just getting ready to get a job or you've been out there having trouble getting a job or you're actually looking or you don't have a clue on what a a cover letter is, a clue on how to present yourself with your posture that you need to have uh, in, a, in a job interview. We're going to tell you today where our guest, Ms. Deidre Avant, is going to tell you the top 10 things not to do in a job interview, and then we'll share some things with, uh, with you that can help you as well. So you are in for a treat today as we talk careers on the Studio22Live.tv podcast with our special guest, Ms. Deidre Avant. But before we get started, I always love to start the show off on a high positive note. So next up, yes, is our joke of the week. For the fact that today's show is about careers, 
I found a joke that I'm telling you just blew me away. And it's not a, the normal joke, but it really makes a lot of sense. And it is funny. It's called The Real Reason Why I Am Really Tired. It says, for a couple years, I've been blaming it on lack of sleep. The reason why I'm tired. And too much pressure from my job. But now I found out the real reason why I'm tired. It's because I'm overworked. The population of this country is 237 million. 104 million are retired. That leaves 133 million to do the work. There are 85 million in school, which leaves 48 million to do the work. Of this, there are 29 million employed by the federal government, leaving 19 million to do the work. 2.8 million are in the armed forces, which leaves 16.2 million to do the work. Take from the total of 14,800,000 people who do the work for the state and city governments, and that leaves 1.4 million to do the work. And at any given time, there are 188,000 people in hospitals, leaving 1,212,000 people to do the work. Now there are 1,211,988 people in prisons. That leaves just two people to do the work, you and me. And you're sitting at a computer reading jokes. <laughs> Ain't that funny, man? <laughs> F3 like that, y'all. I had to let F3 come in on that. He really liked that one. That made a lot of sense, right? And that, and that was our joke of the week. <laughs> now get to work. <laughs> Next up is our birthday shout-outs. I want to give a special happy birthday to my daughters. Yes, I had two birthdays this week in my family. My daughter, Janae, who is now a preteen, turned 12 years old. And my oldest daughter, Imaya, who turned 21. Yes, turn up, but don't turn up too much because I'll show up. You know I will, <laughs> but I have fun, baby. You're 21 years old. I'm so proud of you. You're a beautiful, beautiful young woman. Matter of fact, beautiful adults, and I love you. I love you so much. Also, a happy birthday to Anthony Redden, Wanda Duffy, Joanna Jones, Winston Walker, Tina Brown, Renisha Massey, and last but not least, my cousin Lynette Knox. Happy birthday from Steel22Live.tv. Welcome back to Steel22Live.tv podcast. I'm your host, Fred Fitzgiles, and we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today's show, we're going to be talking careers. We're going to have a little career segment. And I have a really, really special guest. She's a great friend of mine. I was just chatting with her recently about, you know, jobs. And she has an incredible company uh, that, that she owns. And she helps people get jobs. And we were talking about specifically job interviews. And I don't know, back in the day when I first got my job, pretty much it was at McDonald's. And my job interview was... How old are you? Are you in school? And can you work the weekends? And that was pretty much was it. So we didn't we don't really have a a way to just, you know, learn how to, you know, what to do in a job interview. And I said, you know what, it'd be great to bring you on the show to talk about the top ten things that you do not do in a job interview. And hopefully it can add some value for you to show. I have Miss Deidre Avant that's gonna be with us today. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read to you her bio so I can introduce her to our listeners. Deidre Avant is the founder and president of the Deidre Y. Avant Ministries. Gifted in administration and an accomplished coordinator, she is also the CEO of Professional Administrative Services and the founder of Daughters of Zion, Inc., 
a nonprofit organization that ministers to young women dealing with foster care. She is a covenant member of New Destiny Fellowship, Wilmington, Delaware, under the covering of Bishop Thomas Wesley Weeks Sr., where she functions as an intercessor, altar call worker, and ministry administrator. She has operated in the music ministry over the years between the Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia area. She also enjoys volunteer work with children who have learning disabilities. Her purpose is to speak the true word of God, which will destroy the works of the devil. She is a single mom to Brandon and Orion. Her pastoral father was the late Reverend Mack. Her spiritual mothers are Pastor Ward, Miss Carolyn Graham, and Pastor Gamble. She is a no-nonsense type of person. She is a prophetess. She's an entrepreneur, CEO, and author of The Sanity Behind Sanctification. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome Deirdre Avant to Studio22Live.tv podcast. Welcome to the show, Deirdre. Hi, Fred. It's nice to talk to you. Good to hear from you. All right. I appreciate you. I told you I was going to get you on the show. Yes, you did. <laughs> well, what I wanted to do was, I know, we, remember we were having that conversation recently, and uh, I think it was really, really good to have you come on because I wanted to introduce our listeners to you because of your background, your experience, and how you are out there helping people. But before I got into that, I want you to introduce yourself, get a little bit, little bit about your background, and how you went from being able to uh, be in ministry and also being an entrepreneur and an author. How did you get started and where you're from? Okay. So I'm originally from the eastern shore of Maryland, which is where I grew up. Um, from there, I came to Delaware to go to college, and I received a bachelor's degree in business administration. Uh, emphasis was on office management. Um, from there, I entered into the workforce full-time, um, mostly the banking industry here within the Delaware area, uh, where I've done various jobs, uh, the bank, technology, administrative, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in between that, I also uh, went back to get my master's degree in project management. Um, so that's where I am today. Um, and currently pursuing a certification um, in project management. Nice. Um, the business got started back in 1999 uh, as I was doing an executive assistant role. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it in corporate America, but I was running across small business owners who struggled with needing or not having administrative support. Mm-hmm. And so I began a VA business, a virtual assistant business. And so I did that a little by little uh, on the side as a part-time job, and then it grew. And as my clients, their business grew, they began to now need employees where they were one man or one women show. Mm. And so once they began to grow, I thought, okay, what other service can I offer them, you know, that could really help them out. And so we most recently have taken on becoming a permanent um, placement firm and also uh, temporary workers. Wow. That is amazing. So you actually find people jobs. Is there a certain type of people you're looking for? My primary audience or target group is going to be the administrative folks. So any administrative assistants, executive assistants, uh, personal assistants, and then also technology. So programmers, developers, uh, network engineers, things like that. But I will place for anything. Um, the first job placement, permanent job placement that we did was a tow truck driver. Mm. 
I have people who have cleaning companies and moving companies that contact me. I just most recently received a request for four teaching positions within a charter school. So I'll place for anything, but my primary as far as what um, I'm really going to reach out for are going to be the administrative and technical role. So all the skill sets that you developed in order to be able to have your own company, were they all developed in the corporate America arena? A good portion of them, um, but I do a lot of community work, a lot of volunteer work. And so between those two places, a lot of that was developed. Oh, gotcha. And where do you get your drive from? Did, did, uh, is it, did, did it come from your parents? My father is a business owner. And so, you know, when you grow up and you see that, mm-hmm. you can't help but want to emulate it. My mother um, was a teacher. She's a retired English teacher. Um, so there's the education piece. So I like to train and, and help. And so those two together are is where that comes from. But overall, is the grandmother who just worked tirelessly. Mm. And that's all I saw her do. And so I don't know anything else but to push for it. I'm trying to get to um, how you caught the vision to be able to be not only an entrepreneur but be in ministry as well. The vision really comes out of my natural desire to really help people. Mm-hmm. And so if you notice, the two businesses that I do are helping people. Mm-hmm. Professional administrative services is all about helping people, number one, connect with job opportunities. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, it's also helping employers find people to do the jobs that they need them to do, dependable people. Mm-hmm. Um, with Daughter Design Incorporated, that really is assisting young ladies who exit out of foster care that have dependent children. Um, that system for a long time at 18 put them out, you know, at, when it was time, and then they had to basically be fend for themselves. Wow. And so that was the population that I targeted for that reason. Now they since have added other programs where you know, they can get assistance up until they're 21 and things like that. And then there's some other um, housing things available for them now. But at the time that I originally started that back in 2005, it was not like that. Wow. So the, the underlying thing for both of those businesses is how can I help? This is a motivational moment. There's a quote by Henry Ford that I heard that talks about the two types of people in the world. And I really, really love this quote. There are two types of people in the world. Those who think they can and those who think they can't. And you know what? They're both right. If you think you can't do something, you will believe that because that thought enters your mind. Once that thought enters your mind that you can't do something, then you begin to believe that. Once you believe that, then you start taking actions towards that belief. Because if you think that you can't get that job because you don't have the experience, if you think you can't get that position on the team because you're not good enough, if you think you can't join that club because you think that you're not up to par, then you probably are not going to join. 
you're probably not going to get the job, and you're probably not going to be on the team. But keep this in mind. It's up to what you think. Nobody else can tell you that you can, and nobody else to continue that you can't. It's only up to you. So if you think that you can do that thing that you want, the thing that you've been dreaming about, the thing that you've been fantasizing about, the thing that's been inside of you you've been waking up to, if you think you can do it, then go do it because you can do it. But if you can't do it, it's not because it can't be done. It's because you have told yourself that you can't and you believed it. So tell us about this. Let's talk about the job interview process, because I wanted you to talk about the top 10 things that you say not to do in a job interview. So when you first start, most of us get our first job somewhere in the high school um, time frame. And so that job is normally, there's not going to be a lot of coaching on what to say and what to do. It's really going to be very basic. Um, and now everything pretty much is done online. In our time, you walk in, you physically fill out an application, you handed it to a manager, and they called you in for an interview. They may have done it on the spot. Mm -hmm. Now you basically have to go online. You may have to do some assessments, and they may call you in for an interview. That's for McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, whoever. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much because of the type of job that it is, Yes, that is what you're going to do. You're going to present yourself well, speak clearly, um, answer the questions, um, and, and pretty much be available mm -hmm. because they're looking for availability in retail um, and, and restaurant-type businesses. Yeah. Today, as you progress further, and let's say you've now graduated college or maybe you've just you graduated high school and now you're looking to really launch yourself into a more professional career, so what I have found just in my management role, um, I was a manager in human resources for four years. Mm -hmm. And so not only was I on the human resource side, but I also had to constantly hire people because we did a call center type of job. Mm -hmm. And so the team that I managed answered phones, and so turnover was high. So on a regular, I got a chance to interview and hire 20 and 30 people at a time. Wow. So, top 10 things not to do on an interview. Okay, here Number we one. go. <laughs> <laughs> do not be late. I cannot tell you how many times we had people show up. Okay, so let's say the interview was scheduled for 1 p.m. They came at 2, 2.30 because they got lost. Then mm. you are given the um, address, directions to get to the job. Number one, leave extra early. Because you never know, traffic, accidents, whatever that case may be. But at the same time, you also, maybe the day before, if it's a job that's local, go ride to the location the day before so that you don't have anxiety about getting to the place. Because if you're late on the interview, it's going to cause me to believe that you would be late to work. Oh, see, that's, that's, that is key right there. Because I, I actually have done that a couple of times, but I didn't used to. But you're saying if a person is naturally late, they can't bring that into an interview. Because the type of job that most people are hiring for, they need you to start. If, they, if they're hiring you for 8 to 5 or 9 to 6, 
they can show up 10, 11, 30. That's true. That's true. So being late, big no-no. Uh, next thing, being unprepared. Okay. For a more professional job, you want to do some research on the company. You also want to understand, do some research on the role that you're interviewing for. And then also do your best to find out some of the leadership that's within the organization. Mm. So that when you are speaking, you at least can talk about what you know about the business and things like that. So you definitely want to be prepared. Always bring a copy of your resume. Sometimes people have a copy of your resume. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to present that to them if they ask for it. So being prepared is key. Now, the resume, is it the same thing? Is it the, uh, or has it changed? Does it still look for just uh the objective and this is old school now the objective and then your job or has it been has it evolved into something are they looking for something else i still do see objectives on resumes what i look for what i prefer to see because a lot of times when we interview people in bulk and i mean sometimes we interview 40 50 people to get down to the 20 Hmm. right So what I need to see, more especially when I'm reviewing resumes, to just even pick you to come in for the interview, I want to see your skills right at the top. Mm -hmm. So if you could list out your skills and your your accomplishments right across the top and then list out your job history, that works for me. I don't have to hunt for it. And... The skills could be, I know Microsoft Office, I'm a team uh-huh. player, that kind of stuff right there you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Um, or it could be if you're a very technical person, you want to get into what program, you know, you either program for, uh, or if you're a project type person, mm-hmm. you want to talk about percentages um, and statistics, you know, how well you did on projects. So whatever it is you do, you want to highlight, you know, those things right at the top so that we can see mm. performance, what you know, what you've done right there in the beginning. Got it. Okay, what's the next thing not to do? Sounding better. So we see that you used to work for, uh, uh, let's see, uh, American Express. Right. So tell us about your experience at American Express. Well, my manager was the worst. In- <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, they didn't have any benefits and Okay, so you don't want to sound bitter. Even if it wasn't great, if you can't say anything good about that company, do your best to give as best a, a positive response as possible. Now, a lot of your young kids would say, I ain't going to be in there and be fake. I'm going to keep it real. How do you translate, leave that keep it real attitude somewhere else, and we're trying to get you a job to them? So... You don't have to lie, mm-hmm. right? And if it wasn't a great experience, that's fine. But it could not have been all bad. There is something you can find. You know what? They had great work hours. Oh. Um, they had on-site daycare, um, you know, whatever the case may be. So, but you can find something, even if it's just one or two things, um, to say, okay, so management team might not have been the best. You know, but our team, you know, last year we were the top sales group. You can find something mm-hmm. to say. You don't necessarily have to divulge 
joy, dissatisfaction. Because now there is a question that will come up in the in the interview. What did you like about your job? What did you not like? Mm-hmm. And it's how you put it together. Mm-hmm. It should come out very professional. Got it. Okay. Um, the so keep it positive, basically. You know, pull, mm-hmm. pull out the positive, and that's mm-hmm. what you express, and then save, and then customize the uh, things that you didn't like, but keep it minimum. Exactly. Okay. So you can say, you know, my manager didn't always provide me um, feedback. I'm a type of person I like to to hear how well I'm doing, or if I'm not doing well, I want to hear it on a regular basis. Now, I've just told you that my manager wasn't really a good communicator, but I didn't say it in a very bitter way. Mm. So it's not. So it's not what you say; it's how you say, it, huh? Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Next one. Unable to give specific answers to questions asked. Mm. If an interviewer asks you a question the exact same way two times, you did not answer the question. Uh We might say, um, okay, um, what what do you think you did well on your last job? Well, I really like the fact that they let us do flex time. Okay. So what did you do well on your last job? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, my team was just really great, and we really covered for one another. We move on to the next question because you it's clear you either didn't understand what we asked right. or you don't want to answer the question. So you're being vague about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what if they don't understand the question? I my, Let me just say that. Because I recently dealt with something with my son. He's actually uh, interviewing, um, and they ask him a certain things, and he's 25, hasn't had a lot of job experience. And with the way he was talking to me, he sounded like he didn't understand what they were asking. Um, and I, so in, in that point, you want to say, let, let me make sure I understand what you're asking me. Okay, gotcha. And restate it. And they say, no, 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 that's not it. Or, yes, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Restate the question, because you, all you're going to do is restate what they said or maybe even reword it a little bit mm-hmm. so that, number one, they know that you understood what they're asking. And then once you restate it, then you should be able to now answer the question. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Ooh, this mm-hmm. is good. This is good stuff. Next. <laughs> Claiming you have no weaknesses. Because they're going to ask you, what do you consider your strengths and what do you consider your weaknesses? Okay. Everybody has some. So if you know you're the type of person who is tardy, maybe I'm time challenged. What I'm working to do to to offset that is to get up an hour early. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I will talk about making sure I don't accept more things than what I can really accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to express the fact that you do have a weakness, but then at the same time, you want to also give what is it that you're doing to try to rectify that. Got it. Okay. Now, I, now I'm going to talk from a guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. Guys don't like expressing their weakness in, in life. So... Um, do you, do you find that guys have an ego when they talk about that and it's all 
These are my strengths, 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 and I have no weakness. Do you find that, and is, and is, and is that looked upon as being negative? Because honestly, I've seen men and women do it just about even. Okay. You know, they will avoid saying that they, because they're afraid that that's going to cause them not to get the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. And honestly, as a person who is hiring, you want to know that someone knows where they need to grow. Mm, right. Because from a hiring manager standpoint, it could mean, and it doesn't always have to mean this, but it could mean arrogance. Yeah. It could mean that you're not teachable. Mm. You, we can't tell you anything. Right. Because in your mind, you have no weaknesses. And so it's not a positive not to express that, but also talk about how you're correcting it or rectifying it. Wow. That's, that, that's a mouthful right there. Because I think that if people understood the, because obviously there is a strategy behind this thing, and uh-huh. you, know, it's not necessarily attacking someone's character. It's actually saying, okay, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and we just need to know that, that if we do come to you in a meeting and say, hey, we need you to work on something, you're not going to try to jump down our throats. Right. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's really strong. What else not to do? Dress and properly. So <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I, mean, I can't wear my jeans. I can't wear my jeans now. Now I will say this, right? So when you get the call, okay, you got the interview. We need you to show up on Monday at eight o'clock. Yeah. When you have that person on the phone who's calling you for your interview, or if you get it via email, because now a lot of stuff comes out via email. You want to respond back. What is the dress code? If you know you're going to interview for warehouse positions, they may be perfectly fine with you wearing khaki pants and uh, a polo shirt. Got it. Because that's the environment. Most businesses now are business casual. Men can get away with wearing dress pants, dress shoes, button down dress shirt, and a tie. Don't necessarily need the jacket. Mm-hmm. If it's business casual, because, you know, you don't necessarily have to be that dressed. Mm-hmm. If you're going for a very um, executive-level position, you know, you need to wear a full suit. All right? For the young ladies, not too tight, <laughs> not too revealing, <laughs> right. not too low-cut. That's right. Okay, and it shouldn't be club wear, and that's across the board for men and women. Mm-hmm. I've seen tight. They're long shirts. I've seen all kinds of things. Uh, the skinny, uh, we call this the lycra. Yeah, jackets, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. those. Yep, yep. And come to an interview in it. Uh, you know, shoes that you know you basically wear out if you're going out on the town. Mm. So we just have to be mindful of where we're going. Be Again, ask the person who's scheduling the interview, what is the dress code, what is appropriate, um, and they will tell you it's a it's a business casual environment, but they're going to expect you to come in a suit. Mm-hmm. Come in a suit. Now, I I I I lost my job three years ago. I haven't had any money. I've been struggling. I don't even have a wardrobe. But I get this job interview, and 
I don't have any clothes. I don't have a tie. I don't have that. But I, I, I got called for an interview. What do I do? What do you suggest um, for someone who doesn't even have money to buy clothes? A great thing to do, there are so many different uh, agencies that are out there that will supply men and women with uh, suits, uh, more especially if you go into like a Goodwill, you know what, it's a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. I have a job interview. A lot of their items don't cost much, or they might even be willing to give it to you. Mm. Family members, you know what, y'all know I've been out of work, but I got a job interview. They may either take you out to buy you something, or they may have something that they can give you to wear. That's true. So you have to make the effort to go out to figure out how to acquire it, even if you don't have the money. Um, Oftentimes when people see you making a step forward, they will help you. Now for the female, Mm -hmm. the the interviewer is a guy, and Mm -hmm. she feels that she can get away with dressing a certain way to get the job. Mm-hmm. It does that happen. And what do you advise to young ladies as far as compromising themselves to try to get work because they got to feed their babies. But mm-hmm. what do you suggest with that? What I suggest is always come across professional because what you don't want to do is let's say the man is open to that because everybody's human. Let's say the man is open to that and let's say you even get the job. Now you could possibly put yourself in a position where you now deal with sexual harassment. True. True. Okay. So you always want to come professional. If you're skilled and you do well in the interview and they really need somebody who has what you have, they will hire you. But you want to be hired on the skills level that you have, the professionalism that you exhibited in the, in the interview, and you do not want it to be based on, well, they were interested more in my physical mm-hmm. um, attraction mm-hmm. than they were in what I could actually do. Excellent. That's excellent. That's, that's, that's key. And I'm hoping that for our listeners out there, Um, That whether you're looking for a job, I always say never compromise yourself. Always remain professional because you are going to get treated the way you act. And so you don't have to do things that are against your character and your integrity in order to be able to uh, get a job. The right company will pull you in as long as you represent yourself well. So always represent yourself well. Okay. What else not to do? You would think that this one would be a no-brainer. Uh-oh. <laughs> but using your cell phone, mm. that text message, that email, trust me, is not important for a half-an-hour interview. Mm. Turn it off, put it on silent, or put it on vibrate somewhere where it will not interrupt the interview. People will text. Uh, maybe even respond to a call. (laughs) And you're saying to yourself, this is not it. So we have to be very mindful. I understand we operate in an age where we carry our phone around, but, you know, years ago, if you left your house, you're going to have to leave your voicemail and you got it when you got home. That's right. So don't be so tied to that cell phone that, even in a job interview that you are responding to 
text messages and emails and things like that. Number seven. Lying. Ooh, okay. We have to be very careful. Um, in this day and time, we still, number one, call your references. Number two, we actually verify, did you graduate from the high school that you placed on your resume? We verify, did you graduate from the college you stated on your resume? There are people who have taken a copy of a diploma or um, a certificate from a college, and they have placed their name over top of the person that actually graduated, and they're handing that in as a document, and if they've placed it on their resume, and when you call the school, they've never heard of them. Wow. So you do not want to lie about your educational background just to get the job. It would be better for you to say, I know you asked for a bachelor's degree, but I just graduated from high school. The truth is better than the lie. Yes. Because if an employer is really impressed with you and they like your drive, they will let you know that they have um, a program that will assist you to go back to school if you would like to, um, and they'll give you a time frame that they are expecting you to have that done. And so it's better to be honest than to lie. Number eight. Using a lot of slang or lingo. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to hire me up in this piece. You feel me? That's what I'm saying. You got that's you know, my son used to talk like that and I tell him, I said, You better turn it on and turn it off. Because when you need to go in there, turn it off, cause y'all mean it's gonna get you out in the street. The shorty. Shorty, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of that. Wow. Even even and you've heard that in a professional interview. Because people say it in a in their everyday language all the time. Mm-hmm. That it is so comfortable for them that when they get into the interview, they can't turn it off. Do you think that uh, the slang, they would use that based on a person's ethnicity? If a black guy saw a white interviewer, would he go there and vice versa? Um, The interviewer shouldn't definitely shouldn't be using the slang, and most of them don't. Right. But the interviewee, mm-hmm. sometimes they're, again, they're so comfortable because mm-hmm. they're so used to saying things mm-hmm. um, that it will come out. Now, they may, they're probably not going to address it. Uh, most of the time, I know I don't because okay. I'm not going to point out the fact that you said, you know what I mean? And right. So I'm not going to point that out. Um, it will be difficult for me to say, yes, we want this person on the phone because that's not how we're going to train them to answer the call. Right. So can they control it, you know, when they get out on the floor? So everything really depends upon what type of job you're interviewing for. Right. If you're, if you're going out on the floor at a warehouse, they may not, they could probably care less. Yeah. They want to know, can you physically lift 10, 15 pounds? Mm-hmm. Can you be on your feet for eight hours a day? They're not necessarily concerned about the lingo. So everything really is going to depend upon what type of job you're interviewing for. Whether it's white or black and it's the interviewee or the interviewer, mm, not so much, I think. Right, right. More or less, what are you interviewing for? Okay. Now, just for our listeners who, because believe it or not, you know, back in the day, I, I used to get the E and the er 
backwards. <laughs> so explain <laughs> when you say interviewer, who's that and who is the interviewee? Okay. So the interviewer is the person who represents the company who has the job that's available. The interviewee is the person that's coming in to interview for to get the job. Great. Thank you for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. And we got one more? Uh, yes. All right. Now, the last thing that you do not do <laughs> out of the top 10 things you don't do in a job interview is the last one will be sharing inappropriate information. Hmm. Well, on my last job, I dated my manager. Oh, um, no. So, yes. Family medical problems. Okay. So what that says to the interviewer is that you might need to be out of work a lot. Yeah. You, you dating your manager, very inappropriate relationship. Um. So, but people are so comfortable. Yeah. Again, they're so comfortable. They will say anything in an interview. So it's, it's just very key. Be very professional, you know, be honest, have integrity, and, you know, put your best foot forward because you really are, like you say, selling yourself, and you want to show that you're the best person for the job. The rest of that stuff, leave that out. Awesome. Theodra Avon, I, I really, really appreciate you being able to share the top 10 things you do not do in a job interview. I hope that our listeners can really, really take notes and play this thing back and share this because this information is colossal and will help you to be able to get a better understanding of what's required of you and how you have to present yourself and sell yourself when you're looking for a job, whether you're a brand new 18-year-old or you recently got laid off and you are just need a kind of a, of a refresher on what you need to do and how, you, how your posture needs to be when you're looking for a job interview. No matter what kind of profession it's in or what industry it's in, there's a certain way you got to carry yourself. And trust me, if you do it the way that you just heard tonight, some of the things that you don't do, you probably won't be successful. But if you flip it and understand the reverse psychology we're playing with you today for the things, hopefully you'll know that the things that you have to do and that you should be doing. And Deidre, I appreciate you being able to share that with us. And real quick, I want you to just tell us a little bit about your new book that I heard about and tell us a little bit how that came about and then we're going to wrap up. Awesome. So in 2005, God gave me a book title and it was titled The Sanity Behind Sanctification. I wrote it down, gave it to me in the month of August. And so little by little over time, I would begin to really write about the sanctification process. And so when I got uh, last year, um, he moved on me to do an author's workshop because there were many authors throughout the congregation that I knew needed that extra push and then included myself. Mm. So I went ahead, um, did the author's workshop, brought a, a publishing company in, a self-publisher and a person to do uh, public relations. And in that, uh, I went ahead and decided to go ahead and finish the book that I started in 2005. And I did that and published it through the publisher that came uh, from Chicago. So what I mostly wanted to explain in this book, number one, was the sanctification process. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about, in the beginning, how you are a slave to sin and then how you are growing in Christ. And then the last piece 
is really being put to it. And what I do in the book is I use fornication as an example of a, a sin that you can be tied to. And so as you read throughout the book, there are many different scenarios and situations that I give out of my own personal life that express that, so that it's crystal clear for people, um, you know, how you really walk through that process. And so that's how that book came about, um, and I've, I've just been, it's been a blessing. Um, to be able to write it and, and share it with folks. I've been hearing a lot of things about it. I've been seeing it on Facebook. People are supporting it. And the great cover. Oh, my goodness. The coverage is amazing. I got to pick up that book. And I got some good news for you. The competition we had, the young lady in D.C. I was telling you about, she is excited about being able to do the narration. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later as well. Awesome. Yes, awesome. yes, yes. So she's excited about that. So what I'm going to do is we're going to give you a page on our website, steel22live.tv. Really quick, if people wanted to get a hold of the book, how can they do that now? Okay. So The Sanity Behind Sanctification is available on Amazon. You can purchase it as a hard, you know, uh, a paper copy. You can also download it on your Kindle or your Nook. So through Nook, you would go to Barnes & Noble. Awesome, awesome. And do you have a website as well? I only have a website for the business, but I will at some point be adding the book there. Excellent, excellent. And I want to thank awesome. you so much for just thank providing you. us with this a colossal information. I pray that you continue to have a have a blessed, blessed ministry. Continue to touch people. Every time I see something as far as community and as far as helping, you are always there. <laughs> always Thank there helping you. people. And the leaders recognize that. And I believe they do that because they know that when it comes to Deidre Avon, you're going to get it done. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. And I appreciate your friendship as well. And thank you for being on Still22Live.tv podcast. And hopefully we can get you to come back when that book flies overseas. And they be flying you out the door all kind of book signings. Because I believe that's where it's going, all right? Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, DJ. I'll talk to you later. Okay. God bless. Bye-bye. At the end of every episode, when you listen to Studio22Live.tv, you are always going to be able to look forward to some words of encouragement, words of inspiration or wisdom that can get you through the rest of your week, the rest of your month, or the rest of this year. And the one I want to end with today comes from Gillian Anderson, and it's simply this. You can do anything that you set your mind to, but it takes three things. Action, perseverance, and facing your fears. Studio 2029. Thank you so much for listening to the Steel 22 Live.tv podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. We strive to continue to add values to the lives of all of our listeners, and we appreciate you for giving us time out of your day. Don't forget, you can call us at 610-466-5461 and you can check out the show notes and resource links on our website as well as subscribe to our newsletter and you can send us your questions, birthday shutouts, comments, and suggestions on Studio22Live.tv. That's S-T-U-D-E-O-2-2-Live.tv. Always positive, always on.